one this morning, and then we'll preach what the Lord has put upon our heart today. The Bible says again the next day after John stood, and who is his, two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to be interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and he abode with, they abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is be interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith, saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith, saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answering and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. He saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In this passage of Scripture that we have read this morning for our text, we notice this is another day in the life of our Lord. In these verses, we find a common theme that we have just read. We find people pointing other people to Jesus Christ. In verse number 35 through verses 37, we find John the Baptist pointed two of his disciples. We know Andrew is one of them. I would believe that John, the writer of this gospel, is the other unnamed disciple. He points him to Jesus. And then Andrew, in verse 38 through 42, he pointed Simon Peter to Jesus. And then Philip, in verses 43 through 51, he pointed Nathaniel to Jesus. Those are three groups of people uh, that we could say, talk about this morning. We can talk about John the Baptist. He pointed the followers to Jesus, those that we are close to. Andrew pointed his brother to Jesus. That's our family. And then Philip, he pointed Nathaniel to Jesus. And it's interesting, the Bible said he found Nathaniel. Those are those we find, we come across. And every aspect of this, we ought to point people to Jesus every day that we live. And that's what I want to preach on uh, for just a few minutes this morning, on pointing people to Jesus. We're going to have a special Sunday here uh, next month on, on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. And, of course, it's a special 
special Sunday because we are celebrating the resurrected Lord. Uh, but we're also emphasizing a day to invite family, invite friends to come to the house of God. Why are we doing that? Are we doing that uh, just so we can say we had so many in church? Uh, well, of course, we thank God uh, for people that come. And I'd rather preach to people than pews. You understand that? Uh, but I'll tell you the real reason why we're pushing uh, for that special Sunday, why we got these cards made up for you to give to people and invite people to come to church that day. Here's why. We want to point those people to Jesus Christ. We don't want to point them to the preacher. We don't want to point them to the choir or to anybody else, but we want to point people to Jesus. Every day we live, we are to live our lives with others in view. That's what's going on in these verses. This is early in the ministry of our Lord. But you know what? At that early stage, think about this now. Jesus not yet died on the cross yet. He's not even performed a miracle yet. Uh, he's not healed a blind man. He's not raised the dead. He's not done anything yet. But yet they still uh, believe that it was important to point those that they love to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you this morning, here we are in 2024 on the third Sunday of February. And I tell you, after all Jesus has done, the fact that He lived, that He died, that He rose again, and that He's coming again, that ought to encourage us more uh, to appoint people to Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to deal with this morning for just a few moments. There are three things that I want to, uh, three aspects, th three truths this morning that if we're going to point people to Jesus, then we have to have these things active in our life. Write them down with me if you're taking notes. First of all, if you're going to point somebody to Jesus, then you must be conscious of the Savior. You need to know who Jesus is, is what I'm trying to say. You can't point somebody to Jesus if you don't know Him personally. I tell you, there's a lot of people this this morning, uh, they're gathered in a church today, uh, they're going through a routine, uh, they go through the religious rituals, if you would, uh, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They always say, you know, I, I get to fly a little bit, not much, and uh, but when I get on an airplane, I'm always entertained by the stewardess that she's up there. You know, the doors are this way and the aisles are this way and all that. And, you know, they always ask you if you get a seat next to the exit door, are you willing to point people to the direction outside the plane? I always say yes. Follow me. All right. And uh, that's, just, that's just the way I am. And, and it's always interesting. You know, they'll say, you know, if the, pressure, if the cabin loses air pressure, uh, then these little baskets are going to drop down from the ceiling. And you just calmly and gently place it over your face, tighten the strings, and breathe naturally. I'm going to tell you something right now. If I'm on an airplane and those little masks drop out, it's going to be like a Hoover vacuum cleaner when I put that thing on. All right. I forget breathing naturally. I'm going to, I mean, the, the pilot socks are going to roll up. I'm going to breathe so hard on that thing. All right. But you know what they always say about those masks? Make sure you put your own mask on before assisting others. I tell you, there's a lot of people this morning, uh, they, are, they are going through a religious routine, but they've never been born again. They have a head knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they do not know Him personally. Well, who is Jesus Christ? Well, in these verses... There are three specific titles that are, that are attributed to Jesus. First of all, we see His personification. What He's likened to in verse number 35 and verse 36. Here's what John said in verse 36. Behold the Lamb of God. I'm going to tell you, who is Jesus Christ this morning? He is the Lamb of God. John will say earlier in this chapter in verse number 29, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of 
of the world this morning. Aren't you glad that I know who Jesus is? That He is the Lamb of God. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought before sheep as His shears is dove, so He openeth not His mouth. He is the Lamb of God. He was sinless and perfect and holy. had no spot or blemish. The Bible said uh, that he was, he was guiltless. There was even no guile found in his mouth. He did no evil. He was the guile found in his mouth. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He is the Lamb of God this morning. You better know Jesus today. You better know Him as the sacrificial Lamb. But then in verse 40 and verse 41, we not only see His personification, who He is, but we see His position, what He does. Verse 40 and verse 41, He is called the Messiah. Those Jews had been looking for the Messiah. They had been looking for the Christ. They had been looking for that one to come uh, that would bring redemption. He was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. In fact, that word, that word Christ, that word Messiah, it means Christ. The word Christ is in your notes if you have them. It means the anointed one. And that little phrase, Christ, Messiah, that little word, it was used in the Old Testament. It, it would be used, it would be used when, uh, for the, for the, uh, Old Testament priests in Leviticus chapter 4 verse 3. It was used for an Old Testament king. 1 Samuel 12 verse 3. And it was used for an Old Testament prophet. Psalm 105 verse 15. That word anointed. That word Christ. That that idea. But you know everybody needs a prophet, a priest, and a king. Especially in those Bible days. Uh, That prophet, his job was to reveal God. That priest, his job uh, was to remove guilt. And that king, his job was to rule the government. Uh, there were men in the Old Testament that were prophet and priest, but wasn't king. There were men that were kings and prophets, but it was not a priest. There was never a man uh, who was prophet, priest, and king until Jesus showed up. Amen. I'm glad He is the one uh, that revealed God to me as my prophet. He is my priest because He removed my guilt at the moment of salvation. And thank God one day He is going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He shall rule the government. Here's the message we ought to tell everybody. Jesus is right for whatever's wrong in your life. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter what stage you're in in life. He's good for young sinners and He's good for old sinners. He's good for wicked sinners and He's good for the little church kid out in Sunday school. I tell you, He's a Savior that fits all kinds. Me and my boys, my wife, she gets on to us. We, we have an obsession with baseball caps. I mean, we, the boys have probably got at least 30. I've probably got about at least 20 and I bought more this week. It's just something that we have. Well, we it's spring training. We had to buy spring training hats. We got to represent the A. All right, big Braves fans. And so we bought hats. And you know what about them hats? So they have those hats that say one size fits all. It don't work with Daxon. Daxon, he can't wear kids. He got a big old head. I mean, he just, hopefully he's going to grow into his head. He got to wear men's hats. That one size fit all don't work. It's because your brain's so big is what it is. Yeah, you believe that. Uh, but, 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 but that one size fit all, that's what Jesus is. It don't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, or, or where you're going. I'm glad Jesus is right for whatever's wrong in your life. He's called the Lamb of God. He's called the Messiah. But then in verse 45, we see His prophecy. Verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, don't let that little 
phrase in verse number 45 bother you where he's called the son of Joseph? That, According to Luke chapter number 3, he is also called again, I suppose, the son of Joseph. That we understand that Jesus was virgin born. Joseph did not have anything to do uh, in the conception of Jesus Christ. But he was the foster father. He was the adopted father of the Lord Jesus. That's what he was known to in the community. That's what he is known as in Nazareth. You remember this? He was called the carpenter's son. That was just a term. So don't let somebody take that verse and say, See, the Bible said that Joseph was his father. Hey, one verse can stand by itself, but it don't have to. God gives us verses. God gives us truth to reveal that. But the point I want to emphasize is the fact Nathaniel finds Philip. He says, Philip, you know, we've been, or Philip finds Nathaniel rather, and he says, Nathaniel, you know, we've been studying this. We've been looking at the Old Testament law. Oh, we've been looking. We have found the ones that the prophets did write about. Hey, that one that they prophesied that would come, he is here. He is here. And I'm glad I can testify upon the Word of God this morning uh, that that one that's been preached about in this Bible, he is here. He lives within me. He is the Son of God. I know Jesus. Jesus this morning, do you know him? So we see if you're going to point somebody else to Jesus, you better know him. You better be conscious of the Savior. I'm hurrying because I want to get to the last point. Let me give you the second one. Secondly, if you're going to point somebody to Jesus, not only must you be conscious of the Savior, but you need to be concerned for souls. You've you got to have a burden for folks. Here's In these verses, John John is pointing people to Jesus. John done that the whole time. I mean, John was just always pointing people to Jesus. And then you got you got Andrew and you got Philip doing that. And I noticed some common traits about these men. First of all, they traveled. With the exception of John, because John's on the banks of the Jordan River, all, both these men travel to go tell somebody else. That means they left where they were. They left responsibilities, they left entertainment, they left pleasure, they left family, they left things uh, because they wanted to travel to tell somebody about the Lord. That's what we've just had this past week and, and on Mission Sunday. We were talking about missionaries who have felt the burden, felt the call uh, to leave their regular life and go tell somebody else about Jesus. This speaks of their burden. Not only did they travel, but they tracked somebody down. They just didn't leave where they was at, but they went and found somebody. And it appears to me, Brother Charles, both those men, especially Andrew and Philip, they had somebody specific in mind that they were looking for. In Andrew's case, he was looking for his brother. In Philip's case, he was looking for Nathaniel. You got, you got anybody that's lost on your heart this morning that you could go to that I may not reach? You realize... And, and I'm, I'm for uh, any time, any biblical way of getting the gospel out, I'm for. But you know how most people come to church, it ain't because the pastor invites them. It's because they know somebody that goes to that church that they're friends with or have a relationship with. And because they have confidence in that person, they'll come and visit. They'll come and hear the truth. I tell you, you are the greatest asset. God didn't call me to build the church. The Lord's going to build the church. But it is a group effort. And you know somebody. Everybody knows somebody that needs to be saved. And everybody ought to try to get somebody to come to church and be saved and know the Lord. They traveled. They tracked them down. But watch what else they did. They told them. If we're not careful, there's a temptation. We'll, we'll leave where we're at. We'll get to where, we're at, where they're at. And you know what we'll do in that conversation? We'll talk about everything but the Lord. 
It's just our flesh sometimes. We get nervous. I mean, your, your preacher gets that way, okay? It's a real deal. We get nervous. We get distracted. We get caught up in the conversation. But I tell you, we must not forget the real reason that we're going is telling about Jesus. There was a man years ago, this is a true story, a man years ago that was a Sunday school teacher, and he was teaching the young, the, the young men's class, probably teenage and up into high school age, and, and uh, he was uh, teaching his class and, and trying to minister to them, be a blessing to them, and, and he, got a, he got a burden uh, for, for a particular young man uh, that was in his class. I'm trying to look up his name here at Modern Technology as a blessing, amen. Uh, but he, he got a burden for this young man uh, to be saved and know the Lord. And so he, he left one day, and he, uh, Edward Kimball was his name. He left his, his place one day, and he, he went down because this young man worked in a shoe store. And he went down to that shoe store that day because he had this young man that he wanted to, in his class. He had a burden for him, been praying for him, and God said, go witness to him. And so he went, and the story says that he stopped, and he was walking down the street, and he almost walked by the shoe store because he got nervous. He got nervous about it. And he said he, he actually took a few steps past the door, and he got convicted and turned around and walked right in and walked to the back room of that show, shoe store. And he said that he propped his foot up on a shoe box and began to talk to that young man about 18 years old about the Lord. And that young man bowed his head and received Christ and got saved. The, the, the man's name, the witness, was Edward Kimball. The man that he led the Lord was a fellow by the name of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody influenced R.A. Torrey, and R.A. Torrey got saved. R.A. Torrey influenced uh, Billy Sunday, and Billy Sunday got saved. Billy Sunday influenced Mordecai Ham, and Mordecai Ham got saved, and on down the line. You see, Edward Kimball thought he was just going after one that day. He just thought he just had one. He just had one he was going after. He didn't have ten he was going after. He had one he was going after. And he got that one. I, I'm sure Mr. Kimball probably led other men to Christ. I'm sure, I'm sure he was a witness everywhere he went. But we just know about that one. But that one was able to be a blessing and preach and see people saved. And, and, and uh, it's going liberal now. But for years had a Bible college and a church that preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus. You never know who that one is. Do you have one this morning? Everybody ought to have one. If you're going to point somebody to Jesus, somebody said, Preacher, this ain't fitting the service. We're talking about being saved and being free and Jesus being a friend. Well, if he's all that, wouldn't we want everybody to know about him? Wouldn't we want everybody that we don't know? Wouldn't we want our one? I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Who is my one? Who is my? Everybody needs a one. Everybody needs a one. You know what y'all do? Y'all pray for that one and y'all try to get them here. It ain't because there's power in this building. It ain't because there's power in this preacher. There's power in this book. And there's power in the message of the gospel. If you're going to point somebody to Jesus and be conscious of the Savior, you've got to know who Jesus is. You've got to be concerned for souls. But then here's the last thing. That's what I want to deal with in my last few moments. You must be consistent in your service. Now, now watch this. There are three separate responses in this passage when these people pointed people, to, when these men pointed people to Jesus, in verses 35 through 37, we find that some received the word. The Bible said in verse 35 or verse 36, and looking upon Jesus, as he walked. He saith, "Behold, the Lamb of God." John said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." Now watch how these men responded. Verse number 37, and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. There are some people, brother Jane, you tell them the first time, you give them the gospel, and you've seen it. 
They said, okay, I want to trust Christ now. Boy, ain't that a blessing? You ain't got to twist their arm. And I don't believe you ought to do that anyway, but you just, you just give them the gospel, and they're ready. That ground's ready. Thank God for those times. Ain't that a blessing? Here's the second response, verse 42, verse 42. Some received the word, but some required some work. Verse 40. One of the two that heard John speak follow him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own uh, brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. Look at verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. The word brought, it literally means to take one by the hand. Here, here's, help me, Sattler. It literally means, take my hand. It literally means take somebody by the hand and lead them. Here's what, here's what Andrew's saying. He's saying, Peter, we found him, and you gotta, well, you got to go see him with me. We found who he is. You've got to go see him with me. Now, I am not, please, I am not saying to grab somebody by the hand and run them down the road and throw them in a pew. That's called lawsuit, okay? Amen. I don't want to have to get a lawyer because you got uh, excited about witnessing. Get excited about witnessing, but don't get me in a lawsuit, okay? Don't assault somebody trying to get them to Jesus, okay? But here's what I mean. Some of them, they get saved the first time you talk to them, and some of them, you've got to work on them a little bit. You've got to bring them along. You've got to talk to them. You know what that does? That takes time. It takes spending time. I know this sounds like a Sunday night message, but it's a Sunday morning message. It takes time. You've got to talk to them. You've got to deal with them where they're at. Some received the Word. Some required work. But here's the last one. Really what I wanted to get to and emphasize, and I'm done. Some revealed wondering. Look at verse 45. You still got your Bible open? I hope you do. We use them here. Verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth, and I'm not being disrespect for mean this morning, but Nazareth to the Jews, and I'm not trying to be crude, but it was Nazareth was the armpit of Israel. It was a wicked place. People despised it. They looked down upon that area. Nathanael said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel represents those who are unsure and need further explanation. There are some people that you're going to witness to that they're not going to get it the first time. There are some people you witness to that you're going to try to bring them along and every time you answer a question, seven more questions pop up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? You know what Nathaniel did uh, when Nathaniel asked that question? You know what Philip did? Philip didn't say, well, let's have a theological discussion. Here's what Philip said. He said, can there anything good thing come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel said, and Philip said three words, come and see. He didn't argue with him. He didn't debate him. He didn't try to, uh, to work on him mentally and try to entice him and trick him. He just said, come see for yourself. And I'll tell you, there's some people you can talk to them until you're blue in the face. But you're just going to say, you know what, you just have to come for yourself. Ain't that amazing how that plays out in the text? Some people, boy, they get saved the moment they hear it. Some people, you've got to bring them along and talk to them a little bit. And they come along. And then some people, you're not going to be able to answer all their questions. You're going to say, you know what, you just have to come for yourself. Come and see. So look at verse 47. Let's finish this up. Philip's coming. Apparently Philip's coming towards the Lord. I hope this is making sense this morning. It's helping my heart. Philip, Philip gets him to come, and Nathaniel's coming, and Jesus sees him. And watch what Jesus says. Behold an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. He said, Nathaniel, I like you. You just ain't going to believe anything. 
That kind of throws Nathaniel off. Look at verse number 48. Nathaniel said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And that how you felt when you first got saved, how did he know about me? Jesus said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now the first time you find the word fig in your Bible, it's in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve have sinned in the garden. What they do? They reached up and they grabbed fig leaves. So they were under a fig tree. The fig tree pictures condemnation because the figs didn't cover up their mistake and their sin. Here's what Jesus said. He said, Nathaniel, when you were sitting under that tree of condemnation, you didn't see me, but I saw you. I saw you long before you ever saw me. I knew who you was. I knew where you was coming from. I knew where you was at. <laughs> Boy, that got old Nathaniel. Look at verse 49. And Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. You know what? Philip couldn't answer all of his questions. But when Nathaniel got to Jesus, all his questions were answered. Why? Because somebody pointed him to Jesus. Verse 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said to thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Here's, if Jesus had been from Salisbury, he said, You ain't seen nothing yet. Thou shalt see greater things than these. Nathaniel, if you thought that was something, if you thought that was great, the fact that I saw you before you saw me, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because Nathaniel, you hang out with me, we're going to walk on water, we're going to feed multitudes, we're going to raise dead people, we're going to touch crippled people, we're going to bless the children, hey man, we're going to calm storms, I'm going to heal a maniac and save him, I'm going to walk up Calvary's Hill and walk out on resurrection, boy, you ain't seen nothing yet. Verse 51, he said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He said, You're fixing to see heaven's work done on earth. And I'm going to tell you this morning, if you get saved by the grace of God, boy, we just get excited about being saved, and we ought to be excited. But I'm telling you, He's so much more than that. There's a whole lot more beyond just being saved. There's a friend that sits closer than a brother. There's assistance in the trial. There's peace in the storm. There's provision for the supply. I'll tell you, he's everything that he said he'd be and a whole lot more. And you know why Nathaniel got to see all those things? You know why Nathaniel was in that upper room that day uh, when he saw the resurrected Lord? It was because somebody got under a burden and pointed him to Jesus. Will there be anybody in heaven because you pointed them to Jesus? I hope so. We all have responsibility to tell somebody. Now, let me give you this and I'm done. How do you tell somebody about Jesus? You know what? It's hard to beat a gospel track. Because it, it has everything. Because sometimes, and I, as a pastor I do it, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. But these gospel tracks, they got the gospel in them. And you can leave that with Brother Sammy out and say, hey, they'll track you down. Hey, man. I wish some of y'all, I thought about having both Sammy here, Miss Janice, I don't think they could have handled him. I think you would have scared them all half to death. He'd have preached good, but after you stood for 45 minutes, you'd have had enough of that, all right? But how many ever heard Sammy Allen preach? Bless your heart. Amen. I love him to death. I love him. God bless him. But he was a unique individual. But both Sammy said, hey, them tracks, they'll track you down. We got tracks back there. We got, just, just tell somebody. You ain't got to go through a theological debate. Just do what Philip did. Come and see. Come and see. We're going to get, Lord willing, at least for Sunday, if my schedule goes, we'll look at that, that woman at the well. You know what she said? She said the same thing. Come and see. Come and see. 
Come and see. I can't explain it all. I don't understand it all. You just got to come for yourself. You got to come for yourself. We're responsible. Hold on, Brother Matthew. I'm done. Let me give you this word, and we're going we're gonna to go home. We are responsible to tell others. Amen? But we are not responsible to make them respond. We're not res- I preached that Friday night to those preachers. My job as a preacher, Brother William, as a pastor, is to l- deliver the Word of God, and then you've got to respond to it how God touched you about it. I can't make you respond to it. I can't make sinners get saved. They have a personal responsibility to respond. So listen to me. If you witness to somebody, you give them a gospel track and they don't get saved, listen to this preacher. It ain't your fault. Did you hear me? Well, I should have said this better. I should have done that better. No, if you gave them the gospel in the sincerity of your heart and left them with a track and done the best you could, you've done what you're supposed to do. You pray for them. You ask God to water that seed and give the increase, but it's not your fault. You're free of that responsibility. Leave the results up to God. He always gets good results. As we stand this morning for prayer, I appreciate your attention. I'm through preaching. Is, do you have a one this morning? Is there one that you could point to Jesus?